can feel like finding trying to find a needle in a haystack but when you post a job on ZipRecruiter their matching technology finds these qualified candidates for you and invites them to apply so while other companies give you too many options ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack and right now you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ziprecruiter.com/badchristian Toby is this episode brought to you by anybody else well, actually, Matt is brought to to me and to all our wonderful listeners by Marriage Supply. Marriage Supply, dildos, vibrators, cock rings, none of that porn. It's a it's a great place. It's a heaven of a place. So go to marriagesupply.com, and I think our promo code is BCPOD. There's a BCPOD maybe promo code. What do you get? 10% off. 10% off. That's great. I think that's right. <laughs> you just find out. Try bad Christian. And if not, just think of that 10% and give it to the Lord. We'll, 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 we'll tithe it with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Toby, how was your flight home? I saw Toby last night. I went, uh, sent him off to the airport in a lift. And yep. then I went home and I laid in bed and Toby got on an airplane. And now we're up and at him today. I, I was thinking you probably were asleep before I left Seattle. We we left, flew out of yeah, Seattle at, at midnight. Yeah, I was asleep at ten fifteen. Golly! So <laughs> Deb and I were just sitting at. We were just sitting there. We we still had an hour and a half almost till the uh, plane started even loading. Uh, it wasn't too bad. We just sat there. Um, just uh, the plane ride. Luckily, I was able to probably one of the first times in my life sleep almost the whole first flight. That's good. So I, I started watching some TV and I was like, oh, I'll just put on a podcast, close my eyes. And then it was, the, it was that sleep where you kind of wake up and you're like, oh no, am I awake? And then you're, you know, you're just in and out of it, but it was okay. The funniest part was Devin, uh, we both wanted windows. Um, so we could lean against the window, you know, and try to sleep. It's just better. And, um, Devin had an aisle. And so he waited and talked to the lady and she said, maybe I can try and get you in a, a window seat and all this stuff. And uh, finally, like right as the plane was loading, she's like, I got you into a window seat. And he was like, yeah, this is awesome. So we get on the uh, plane. Devin, his his uh, window seat was a few rows back from mine. He gets there, and it's a, uh, it's a lady and a little kid. And he's like, oh, this will be just a small little kid, you know, not, not like a kid that would cry a bunch even. So he, he thought, oh, this is going to really work out. And he goes, that's me in there. And he, a guy to his left goes, hey, that's my family. Would you mind trading me seats? So Devin just ended it back up on the aisle seat again. Back in the aisle. <laughs> he had to do it. I mean, you can't. You just won't say no. You know what I mean? But Devin had to give up potentially good sleep. He was still able to sleep, but good sleep for some people he didn't know. 
mm-hmm. because they, they chose to get the kid card. Yeah, and, and so <laughs> they did what I, m- most parents would do. You just get the seats you can. But I mean, you could have probably early on selected your seats or something. I feel like they just went the cheapest route. So some uh, some people that were just trying to save some money and do stuff for themselves, Devin couldn't do something for himself like get that aisle seat. I mean, they would have just thought he was a real asshole. Oh yeah, but some people. I mean, because he was still that. getting an aisle. People think, oh, aisle's just as good. But anyway. Yeah, I felt bad sleeping so soundly. I was like, I'm gonna get such good sleep tonight after a you know four days of work. It's gonna be great. And then yeah. I thought about y'all. I, you know, I felt bad for y'all having to fly all night. And then when you get home, you didn't sleep all day. It doesn't look like. <laughs> no, no, I haven't slept at all. And I mean, and today's the start of the BC sixty nine or or sixty nine X. And so uh, I was like, oh man. So I've already I, I I've done I've done everything. I've, I was even able to work out. I'm, I'm doing great. it all. It's crazy. That's what, that's what, uh, I just really, it, it, it doesn't, this sounds like the most cliche thing I could say. And I've said it a million times, but your brain is so strong that if you just use it, it can do almost anything. Like I just, I've been, you know, I'm going to be doing some intermittent fasting. And I was like, man, I'm just so hungry. And I was like, no, you just, why are, are you hungry? Or you just want food. And I just had to talk. My brain had to talk with itself and go, well, hold yeah. on. What are you doing here? And I was like, oh, I'm tired. Maybe maybe I won't push myself as hard on the bike today or when I'm walking, jogging. Maybe I'll just walk. I was like, nah, you can run. Just There's that stop sign down there. You can run to there, right? Well, you made it here. Why not just a hair further? You know what I mean? Like, just like talk. You have to talk to yourself. You, I really feel a duality in my life. Maybe I always have, but I don't know if other people do, but I feel like there's a voice that always wants to give up or give in, and then there's this other voice that says that isn't as strong but if that voice loud is loud enough or just says no not this time it and wins you can do so much it's just insane yeah and once you kind of know that you can it's kind of funny and then you could push yourself sometimes you know but it's like telling yourself a story about who you are and it's like a fight to tell the story in your head really of what you really like and who's to say which voice what voice i mean so it's kind of like you, you you tell yourself you can't do something but maybe you can but I don't know. You could try. And if you if you know that you've done a bunch of stuff that you thought you couldn't do, it gets a little easier to try every time. Yeah. A new one. Well, <laughs> I just hate it when people say stuff, yeah, oh really? You can do anything? Well, go go start an NFL football game game. Go go be a starting offensive lineman. I'm like, that's not that is not what it is. And I think you're starting there just because it's some parameters that you know seemingly you'll fail. But I mean, I think your brain's powerful enough. Maybe you, maybe uh, who knows? But if you tell uh, your kids, you tell your eleven-year-old, you could do anything you put your mind to. You think that's supposed to mean anything? You know, like how many times have you heard that and it did not help you do anything? Because a thousand I don't, times, I think that those people didn't, including me. Those people are Toby Morrell, Matt Carter. I don't know if we put our mind fully to it. I, that's what I'm thinking these days. Boy, like, I'm I just think, saying telling somebody that certainly doesn't help because it just sounds stupid. <laughs> well, I'm just saying this. Look at this. Why are we here? Because people just wouldn't give up. And they uh, did people used to know how to build houses or air, have air conditioning or make computers or a car or the printer press. Yeah. I mean, all this stuff. Just somebody goes okay, and you go. Well, that's this just this one person. You share the skills. You know, I I get it, but I mean, you actually just. You had to survive. You had to find food. You had to build shelter. You had to, and they, you just did it. We're the descendants of people who figured out ways to do things that couldn't be done at all right. times, basically. But 
I think there's also a lot of people who were free riders the whole time. Oh, they're descendants sure. of free riders, right? Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah, also yeah. those. <laughs> so you can figure out, you, you know, you can honor your ancestors by determining uh, where you wanted the free riders in the genetic pool right. or where you wanted figured out how to keep us moving, you know? That'll be, that'll be up to you. You can still switch teams even if you were descendants of one or the other too, by the way, I think. Yeah, I mean, that that's what, when we were in Seattle, we were hanging out with Matt McDonald, and he was just talking about how the, you know, like, America is built on people, you know, that, you know, just came here and just worked, you know, uh, had to leave their, their place, you know, even with slavery. His is Irish take, and all that. Yeah, Those yeah. people can't know. But I mean, like, even, even with slaves, you were just taken from your home here. You know, you were the people that left their countries and came here, all this stuff, like, it's built on people who had to survive. You know what yeah. I mean? Like through the worst conditions, some of the toughest, most people dying, your family dying, all this horrific stuff happening, and you just kept going, and the strong kept surviving, and you keep going, and you do that. And I mean, so it just there is something to mental toughness. It, in fact, mental toughness is and uh, telling yourself, "I am capable, I can do it, I will do it." That positivity, speaking that into your life, sounds so cheesy. I think is probably more important than how many muscles you have. Yeah, or how sure. how quick how, how high your IQ is. Yeah, I mean that's just a good. I mean, like they were just talking. Uh, you know, I listen to a shitload of sports podcasts, but the idea of like just quarterbacks in football, they used to be all like tall, good looking white guys that you know could stand in the pocket, and had a cannon for an arm, and then you know more and more people come. And then there's this short guy, you know, like Drew Brees, and and then uh, Russell Wilson, and you're like, oh wait, man, you can do all. Maybe there. There isn't there isn't the, the prototype was just the thing that we thought was right. It was just and, the easiest right. way to get it done. Yeah. It just looks the best. It looks yeah. like the right thing. You know what I mean? It's the one that could probably, but now you're getting more and more opportunities. That's, that's why I think it's going to be more and more insane. That used to be the way it was with, uh, how about currency and money? That's why things are becoming decentralized, more access. Wait a minute. Maybe it isn't the guy that went to Yale and, you know, ends up at a hedge fund and, you know, works on Wall Street or something. Like now, maybe this the guy that is on Robin Hood that no, that just goes, oh, I'm going to figure this out, and then does. I mean, the future is all about, oh, I can do this myself. <laughs> That's an easy thing to claim for the do it life, do it yourself, or like like you. Yeah, right. That's um what I'm thinking for about some, now is just <clears throat> from. I mean, if people hadn't got that yet, Toby just returned on a flight here. We were just here working on Emory's new record. And I guess now would be a good time to explain what it is because record doesn't really uh, do it justice. <clears throat> it's a kind of a new invention of DIY and just emergence of new things is kind of the spirit we've always had of trying new stuff. So obviously we try new stuff with, we have a crypto coin, Walls coin. That's going really well. That's neat. We have a new uh, platform called Pillar that we added to Emory Lands, and it's basically an original content house. And inside of that, it has our last two specials, The Week's End and I'm Only a Man. So a lot of other bands have been releasing those. They had the one-time event or what they called a virtual concert or something like that, and then they would release those and then have been selling those you know, recordings after the fact. But we have ours on demand in a video content library. You can watch anytime you want, whatever, you're, if you're a member of Emory Land. Uh, all the BC69 people are in Emory Land. And anyway, <clears throat> that platform, that app is called Pillar, but we've added it to Emory Land. So if you're interested in seeing those specials, um, they're on demand available all the time now for our community. And they went so well 
that was kind of testing this new thing where it was like you could do a concert or you could do a concert online or do a special live event kind of thing. Um, and that looks like now uh, it's really – first of all, it worked super well for us. We had our biggest concert ever, made our most money ever doing a concert and played uh, around the world globally for people we'd never played for before. So it was super successful in that regard um, that the fans and people – became open to that experience but now the industry has shifted so much i think the music industry is just going to kind of almost maybe dwindle but people that are doing new things i think it's going to reinvent itself in a more of a tech or startup way um but the demand for the online special events where people really have done them well has seemed to be validated and grow and now it looks like it's going to last long beyond the pandemic which just means we're on the right track so that's been really exciting that the thing we've been able to do and be successful with in a digital first way is actually working, and it's not just us doing it. So I'm, I'm very happy about that. And so our idea for the next one is, uh, of course, we're going to do the question. We're going to make a special of the question because that'll be a super awesome oh, yeah. thing that everybody will get a lot out of. But we're also making our new album in the form of a uh, performance, a special event uh, we're writing the album now, and we're going to perform and capture and record the whole album live in one take, uh, a month and something, about a month from now. Um, so we just did our first That sounds rehearsals. scary. It's very scary sounding. And it, so <laughs> album is uh, one thing that we it'll be. It'll be an album. It'll have some post-production before it goes to Spotify and stuff like that. But we're going to capture Emery's new LP. Um, It'll be our ninth LP, and we're going to record it in a single take, the whole album. So, and there'll be video cameras with every possible angle, with all the what we've learned from taping those specials and everything else. So instead of saying we just did some virtual concert where you hack out songs you played a bunch of times, yeah. uh, this is new material captured in this format, written for this format, um, and it's very, very DIY. Obviously, but I think we're going to be able to deliver something that's really, really. Uh, special. We just got done framing out nine songs in the last four days, so uh, that was pretty good. Yeah, I'm very nervous about playing my parts and singing uh, an entirely new album. This isn't like, oh, I have to go back and relearn a song we we didn't really play much. This mm -hmm. is a entirely every single song for this uh, for our new album will will be brand new, not only to the listener, but to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, it'll be to it's me. It's like, a challenge. I, I mean, I, that's what's so funny. Like, uh, our fans probably listening, have listened more throughout our whole catalog than us. Like, after our albums are done, for the most part, we, we kind of feel done with it, right? Like, I mean, mm -hmm. I go back and listen to our albums some. Maybe once or twice a year, I'll go, you know what, I'm just going to listen to Emory and just remind myself of some, you know, who we are or whatever, or if I'm learning songs, but, uh, they, we don't go back to those songs. So a lot of people listen, have listened to songs that we've never played live. Like most of them. Yeah. Most of our, of our songs, songs we've never, never even, we never even played live. And, and, uh, so it's kind of crazy. I'm going to get that experience too. Cause I've never played these songs live. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, these songs I've never played live. They're new to me. I have to learn them. I am, have to well we got to finish writing them as well but i mean it's going to be kind of cool that this is the first time our album is you will hear it just like uh if you got to come to an emory show and, oh then they play you know you get to hear the song raw and real 
and with us playing it. And then obviously, because you know, we these specials are really great. The sound quality is going to be better than at some you know two hundred fifty cap club in uh, you know Tulsa, Oklahoma, or something like that. It's really a lot more pressure than than anything <laughs> than anything else that you know. But bringing the pressure to the studio is what music needs, in my opinion. Yeah. Instead of just more digital million take and of course you could program music and build it from scratch in pro tools and make amazing music there's no doubt about that but uh the pre- putting the pressure on the capture the performance the writing and the arranging knowing that you're going to have to do it and nail it and it's going to matter and that you're going to be fully exposed really brings an intensity and to the decision making of the whole process that's why it's just so fun to think about every decision mattering and stacking up all you know one at a time to the culmination at one very special event which will then be captured in this insane high quality for an insanely you know achievable do-it-yourself thing it won't cost that much to make basically but the quality is going to be way more than uh way more than than anything really just to be able to get all the energy with all the good cameras and all the equipment that we already have and run ourselves and everything so quite satisfying the biggest challenge has got to be though <laughs> it's going to have to be obviously on what you have left to do on vocals that you and Devin had to write and memorize i think just uh-huh. memorizing the vocals to a new album alone would be hard but you have to write them and memorize them and perform them in, in you know several weeks from now Right. So that that's the part that I'm I'm not worried about it. But how do you see doing that? Do you have a way? Do you think it's maybe we've made a mistake? Well, it's kind of interesting. Can't do it. Well, well, this is one thing. Think about this. This is uh, the question because the weeks in had done so well. People have heard the story before, but I mean, we literally were touring so much that we got off. We said we're going to take two months. We we took one month and wrote the entire question, and then the next month recorded it. Mm-hmm. Now. We literally this weekend put together nine or ten songs so far, and uh, nine songs. And I guess there's one or two more that are coming, and we will write this, uh, all the lyrics and everything within a month. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it's it's mimic like it's funny that we're putting out these specials. You know, we'll we'll put out uh, our new album and then uh, the question special, and they're gonna you know they'll be attached just because we're gonna be doing them around the same time, all this stuff. But it'll be it's neat that it's they they're gonna look alike and and how we recorded them, you know what I mean? Like we're doing that again. Like we're not we're not wasting any time. We have this much time. Super and this focus. Re- yeah, and a lot of people would say the questions are our best album ever. And and I heard you say you think some people will think this new record's our best. Well, album I mean, ever. you know, somebody that's, will. That's pretty ballsy. I don't see why anybody. I mean, I, you know, the question is a lot of people's favorite album of ours. And you're right; it was written in a very focused one month of all of us in a room together. And this right. is basically the the closest. St- thing to that we did some online um and then we spent this extremely focused time for four days in a row on these this batch of songs that we had demos for um and then the next time we get together we're going to rehearse them for two or three more days and that'll be it and we're going to perform the sucker so there's a lot and the pressure doing the question was huge because we had made the weeks in it was successful and we got two months to like write and record a record and you, you go in the studio and you have the studio time. That was the conditions in which we made our best music that people liked the most was in a high pressure, high stakes kind of thing. So I, I think that's just universally true for anybody to be, if you can handle that pressure 
better things come from it. Right. So I already feel that the decision making in all of this music and forcing it through the format we're doing has great dramatically increased the I mean, I just think the arrangements are, are they're I know they're better because I do a lot of the arranging. So I just know it's better because it's like instead of a bunch of weird decisions I made in Pro Tools late at night by myself with loss of perspective, right. I made these decisions in real time, looking at Dave and seeing that Chris's energy's down or that Devin has an idea that would have never come if we weren't in the room together. Yeah. And so I, I feel the value of all the density of the ideas and also feel very confident that this isn't some crazy idea we have. It's a very simple thing. You take live performance, you take video, you take album recording, you take a band that's been together for 20 years who has yeah. been who did 40 or 50 songs together last year alone digitally and then supercharge it with this pressure and expectation. And, you know, we got to feed our kids, got to do everything like that's, (laughs) that's just, it just makes sense. It's everything's consolidated. You know, it's consolidating all the things that we do well into one thing. So it's not some crazy idea. It's an obvious idea that most people would chicken out of or not be able to pull off yet. And I do think you'll see more and more, in this territory, but it'll create for the fans a very much more special thing than you get to hear some MP3s at some point. Right. <laughs> like you get to hear some MP3s that producers and experienced musicians put together for you on Spotify. That's what a new record is for most people. Right. This is going to be a lot more than that. It's going to have a lot more story than that. It's going to have a lot more richness than that. It's going to be a lot more real than that. And I think the music is going to just blow people away. I really do think that. Yeah. I think it's going to be the record I, right now I was thinking about it on my flight. I think it is going to be a cross between like uh, the question and we do what we want. Yeah. Like it, good, it's good got, explanation. It's got a little bit of vibe like that, but uh, but our recording process will be more real and raw and better in some yeah. ways. Because what we do what we want is I, our I, most produced record. Right. So that's but what I'm saying. I, one and of I love heaviest it. Or heaviest. Yeah. I love it. And, and question's really produced. I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that the, they were bad production. I'm just saying our production now – is a little bit different, and it, we are, are in a new phase of how we sound, and I like it. Yeah, I think the ears of listeners evolve over time as well. So I do think that the pendulum is that people will find they find things, different things, attractive, and overproduced records are less and less attractive at this time. So what can be yeah. really aggressive and raw and heavy? but really feel real and you can see it and feel it happening, happening Yeah, that is more valuable than, you know, programming out heavy drums and stuff. Right. That's like not that's, like we had, you can do we had that, Grace but. Baldridge on a couple of weeks ago yeah. and she recorded it with like a blue mic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean like, and, and it, yeah. it did well because it's about the music. I mean, you don't want yeah. the polished thing that does, you don't know if it's real or not yeah. or the people behind it are real like that. Her record, you know, it's her and it's real. Yeah, and, and so I love that the vocal you. arrangements are whatever you're going to orchestrate for Matt and Devin and Chris and Josh and Toby to do. And that's yeah. what that's would be the vocals and the backups and whatever. It's not just like layers and tracks and all these backup right. vocals. We're going to arrange for five vocalists. <laughs> we have five, we have five vocalists and we could they all do different stuff and we could right. you know, you have to write these things in a way that we'll be able to perform. So don't give me any hard assi- vocal assignments during a hard guitar part is all I'm asking. Heard that. All right, let's get to our guest, uh, old Ben from Preacher and Sneakers. The last time he was on, we, we called him Tyler. Remember, he was, he had an alias, but now mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> he ben, came out. He's got Yeah, he came out, and he's got a book coming out. And all stuff. It's, it's good to have him back. So we'll have him on here. 
Uh, but first, Matt. Yeah, first of all, I got to tell you a little bit about ZipRecruiter. I've been thinking about it, and with our team and the way we work together is this very, very evolved thing where we figured out what everybody's strengths and weaknesses are over time, and that's that kind of thing, filling in gaps and stuff, and who our team is and how it works is what enables us to do stuff at the level that we do and, and make it work. And putting together a team is going to become more and more important the longer it goes in the future as labor and work is less about output and more about intellectual work, uh, organization of work, meta work, asynchronous work. So, you know, it's, uh, it's a lot of challenges when it comes to hiring, but to find the right team and get them to work together is the future. It's the teams that will be able to accomplish things not just factories, assembly lines, and people's individual skill sets. So that's why hiring can feel like trying to find a needle in a haystack. So you can post your job to some board, but then all you can do is hope the right person comes along. Uh, and that's why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash badchristian. Because when you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out to over 100 top job sites with one click. Then their matching technology finds people with the right skills and experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. In fact, it's so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. So it's no wonder over 2.3 million businesses have come to ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. So while other companies overwhelm you with way too many options, ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for. It's the needle in the haystack that you're looking for, and they'll help you find it. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash badchristian. Once again, remember to go to this unique place, ZipRecruiter.com slash B-A-D-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Good to see you again. Can you hear us? Yeah, man. Yeah, I can. How about y'all? Yep, sounds good. You got a haircut, Matt. I did. I shaved it all the way off just as a you know, a new beginning sometime in the yeah. mid pandemic. I said, let's just go all the way to zero and see what happens. But I've enjoyed it. I Everybody was looking for step. something to affect since they couldn't yes. really affect anything. Just a way to put the locus of control internally on something. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's right. <laughs> I get it, man. What's up, Toby? How's it going, man? Going pretty good, now, man. Now, we can't remember uh, what we are supposed to call you because Tyler Jones, but is that a fake name or is your real name? Because the thing came up being Kirby. Yeah, I'm, I'm out out now. So you can call me Ben if you want. Okay. That's okay. my real name. Cool. That's what I thought. What's the, uh, what's the deal with the podcast right now? It's like I was creeping on everybody earlier. Like on YouTube, yeah. it's just episodes from like 10 months ago. Did y'all stop doing the YouTube piece? We're yeah, we haven't been doing YouTube lately, but we're in uh, the process of something along the lines of debranding, in a sense, kind of thing. So the podcast has been around for such a long time and been a bunch of different things. We've just started trying to ask the question: What is this? Where do we want to go? What are we doing? So we've kind of pulled back on trying to market it as is and just kind of let it evolve for this season, and then figure out what where we want to put the gas pedal toward you know, next or, or do basically. So we've kind of just been in exploratory mode and we're about to, yeah. you know, add some things, do we, some things, do some new things and continue. We had a things, split so. with our other host, Joey, you remember him and yeah, he, I was on his podcast a few weeks ago, mm -hmm. I think. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, and so the, after that happened, it was like, 
should we keep going? Should we end this show? Uh, maybe we should. And so we just been, and then the pandemic hit. So it was like all this horrible stuff happened at the same time. Everybody went through it. You know, I mean, you went through it too, probably. So yeah. Um, just one but, big but you're in Texas. You're in Texas. Aren't you? Yeah. In Dallas. Yeah. 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 So y'all didn't, y'all, did y'all even have it there? Y'all didn't wear masks, right? Y'all just, <laughs> Nobody cares. Yeah. They didn't have a pandemic. <laughs> full we weddings. I mean, you went to bars every night. <laughs> yeah. Our, I mean, it's led by our governor right now. He, right. like a couple weeks ago, he was like, you know what? Masks are done. Everybody's open, full capacity. Do what you want. Wow. And we, we don't agree with that, but yeah. There's are people taking of people. advantage of that? Like, I mean, when, are there more people now if you go to Applebee's or something that's like packed or what? Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I haven't been to Applebee's. But were but, they not going based on the governor's orders? And then when the governor changed it, everybody behaved differently? Or is that neither here nor there I mean, for, for the first, behavior? I mean, probably the first six months, I would say most rational people were doing their best. I mean, there were, there's always been the, you know, hardcore MAGA peeps that were like mm -hmm. saying they were being infringed upon. But they, that was from day one for them. But yeah. I think now, like, like at least at our church, like I, I help on the security team at our church and for Easter specifically, it was, it might as well have been Easter 2019. I mean, it was any freaking, Easter. It, like, it was that yeah. packed. And yeah. Not, not much masks or no, some people I mean, they, our church basically said, you know, the, yeah. the bottom bowl is no masks, no social distancing. The balcony is masks and social distancing, but, uh, the bowl was completely packed and not everybody, nobody was wearing masks down there. And it was, it's like our church holds like, I don't know, 3,500, 4,000 people. Wow. Uh, wow. And the majority of it down there, there's no masks or social distancing. So it's like, I get it though, because you can't please anybody really like the pastor specifically, right. you got to make these imperfect decisions, which like I, I probably would have held out longer, but there, you know, that they're getting it in both ears, basically mm -hmm. saying you're a coward right. or you're not doing enough. Or yeah. All that kind of or stuff. So I get people or you're a coward or right. So I like, I get the, uh, the moral dilemma. <laughs> Did y'all see yeah. the pastor in, uh, I think it's Canada where the cops came and were trying to enforce mask rules. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and he told him, get out. You come back with a warrant. He's like Polish. He's like, get out. You Nazis, you Nazis, get out. You will not bring back a warrant. He said, can you believe? And he just, I mean, he's just yelling and he, he got him out of jail. Didn't he no, go to jail? I, oh, maybe he did. I don't know. He had a video. I didn't think he went to jail. All I saw was the video of it. Well, it worked for after. So there was I'm one not really guy sure. in Canada that got arrested. I'm not sure if it's the same dude, but I remember hearing a story about it. That's crazy. You can get 3,500 people in the church there, and no doubt there's a worship band, but can't we go play a concert for 350? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. It, not no, if you're but, making money from it. No. Which, right. Well, being, being you're right. Itself. You, you're right what you said. You can't please everybody. And I'm on the, I really feel torn about all this because I do feel like a lot of the mask wearing is for show and Signaling people, like, I, I think it helps. I, I wear a mask. When I go out, I don't ever have a problem. And if I just, this Sunday, I didn't go to church. I was like, well, I don't, in case, I mean, we're in Illinois, so I'm, I'm sure most people are still wearing masks here. Mm -hmm. But uh, I just could choose for myself what to do. But I felt, I feel good about having that choice. Like, oh, I don't have to go to church if I don't want to or whatever. But it's, you're right. The other people will just, it, it's just, there's so many people and everybody comes from so, like people don't understand Texas, how pe many people live out in the middle of nowhere. You know what I mean? Like, like people don't understand middle America. They don't live near towns or cities. Like even where I live, I live in Champaign, Illinois. I, we're two, two and a half hours from Chicago, but besides our town, it immediately at the edge of our town, which isn't that big, I can drive across it in about 10 minutes is 
just unbelievable farmland. It feels just like growing up in South Carolina. I mean, they feel like Southern rednecks to me. This is farm people. We went to an Easter lunch uh, with Devin's family. I was like, oh, this is just like my family. They're all just cutting up the same way and they see things the same way. And, you know, and they'll just, somebody will slide something in. What do you think Biden's going to live to the end of the year? Or, you oh know, just like jokes, but just jokes. They're joking. Yeah, icebreaker but, yeah, there. There's some truth to it, but it makes me feel so comfortable. Right. And, and, and those people have lived harder lives. You know what I mean? Like they've lived hard. Like, so this thing that the government's telling them to do, they've lived through in in sense, in a sense, worse often. So it's hard to convey, Hey, this mass thing could, you know, and and then the whole, I don't know, it it goes so much that I just, for me, I just can't, I, I get it. I understand. How can you, say these things are open and a church isn't. And I don't even care about the going to ch- the church necessarily, but I, I understand the plight of those folks. Yeah. You know, like, let me go worship my own way. Especially I don't after think like it, yeah. over a year worth of isolation right. beat down. Like at a certain point, it's like, dude, come on, man. Like there's right. a legitimate need for people to be around other people and we're hurting. But I also, on the same on the same token, it's like, if doctors and scientists are saying that this thing is happening, no amount of willpower is going to make it go away by saying, you know what, we're just going to not do this and right. pretend like it's not there. Like, dude, like, let's just at least think about it. Like, right. don't be an irrational idiot. But, I think that I think Trump's oh, go, message to everybody. Am I am I slow for y'all? My internet okay? sometimes, but it's 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 not a big deal. I'm not, don't I'm not really don't lose sure, your so. confidence, Toby. We hear you. Okay, just keep I won't. rolling. Um, I don't know what, you know, the government's probably listening to me. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but I think Trump's message was so, uh, outrageous, sporadic, not definitive and certain that it just, it really hurt everybody. And then it made you not trust the government or do you trust him? And of course you can't go, oh yeah, I really trust Donald Trump. I don't care who it is. You can't really go, man. I mean, I guess some people do, but I mean, the MAGA supporters, but I mean, deep down inside regular person even a republican goes yeah i'm not gonna believe everything he says i'm just gonna a wear a mask of stability and right trustworthiness yeah. and everything so yeah. i just i just wish there would have been a better message like hey listen we're, let's all wear masks right now uh from the beginning they you know they were saying no you don't, you don't why. wear masks yeah yeah and but they but even like fauci said no don't wear a mask and then they and then i get it but when you lie to people to even help the doctors so there won't be a shortage of masks or whatever then they feel lied to because they were and so then yeah. they, you know, they don't trust anything and you know and it's funny too because giant states like Florida and uh, Texas don't have worse COVID deaths than the other states. It's not like they they did so much worse than uh, mm-hmm. California or New York. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I know those those cities maybe they're more congested, more people are on top of each other, but they didn't do worse. So they then they can even rely you know rely on that data too. Well, look, we didn't even do as bad. But I don't know. Anyway, it's all up in there. I'm I don't even want to talk about. It. I've been talking about it for two years. It feels like. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a completely circular topic and it never ends and it's like there's no nobody really knows the best answer one way or the other so it just ends up being everybody's opinions versus other opinions right. backed by like kind of googled facts that kind of stuff. So well, yeah. I tell yeah. you another topic that is never exhausted is people getting bent out of shape about sneakers. That's yeah, how, absolutely. It's particularly <laughs> kind of relevant right now. Huh? That's Even what I'm saying. The, the, the biggest sneaker news since the Preachers and Sneakers came out is the little Nas X sneaker. Well, is that, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Is people that keep, in your keep domain? me employed. I mean, they, like, people keep wanting me to dissolve off the face of the earth, which I'm you know, honestly excited about at a certain point. But these things keep happening that keep me employed that just like align perfectly with what I do. 
And it's by no effort of my own. People out here acting a fool one way or the other, even if it didn't exist, but all this sneaker slash religion stuff stays being prominent. It's like as prominent as it was in March of 2019 or whenever we talked last two years ago. Do you look at the little Nas X sneaker being a big thing as related to what you do? I mean, maybe in the sense that he's a Satanist pastor preacher and sneakers <laughs> or uh, something. It, i don't know it only <laughs> relates in that it 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 brings up both topics a little bit and but it's like the it's a very basic formula of publicity by just doing something so extreme and if you're the type of person that can withstand the heat from whole groups of people then it's going to benefit you i mean like right. combining uh satanism and sneakers and rap music and country music all and even like lgbtq issues yeah that, right. you know layers oh uh, yeah so to me it was an amazing publicity move for him uh and i think he's gonna profit from it i i knew nike wasn't gonna stand for it very long i mean for people that are listening i'm sure most people know but lil Nas x did a collaboration with this brand called mischief and created 666 pairs of these customized Air Max 97s that even had like a drop of human blood, apparently, in the <laughs> Air Max bubble um, with pure insanity. And of course, like it's such low-hanging fruit for especially like the Southern Baptist type pastors to basically bring up kind of 90s Christianity type themes where the Satanists are going to come for us all and the, you know, the United States is going to hell in a handbasket type thing. When in fact, like in a more nuanced take, it, I think even Lil Nas X brought it up. Like there were some issues, like he did it to communicate to others. I'm, I'm going to butcher his message, but basically it was like, he was hurt growing up for his orientation or the uh, way that he chose to live his life. And part of this project was a reflection of that. And he got exactly what I think he was expecting to get. It was getting a lot of, church types to freak out about something right that was kind of surface level like oh this guy you know created satan themed sneakers when there's a lot deeper issues that going on in the world that it's easy to point at certain pastors and say hey dude you're talking a whole lot more about this than you are about you know a year's worth of racial injustice type stuff being at the forefront of the media which is absolutely satanic like to be a racist um so it's just an interesting discussion. It, it's I, absolutely nailed as a publicity stunt with so many layers, including the overreaction was part of the calculus. Like there's not yes. an amount of hate he could get for it that wouldn't be good for him. Right. Because it, the people that are going to do the hating are the people that are going to energize who he wants to energize. And the there funny, comes, then comes the shares. Everybody shares it at that point. Yeah. And the funniest thing to me is that if you, and I, I understand it, but the people that don't understand sneaker culture couldn't separate Nike from Lil Nas X and his brand Mischief, mm-hmm. uh, they thought that Nike was behind part of this collaboration out, right? when it was literally them buying in bulk these basically black sneakers and customizing them. And so people were starting to like talk about boycotting Nike and everything when, of course, Nike never in their right mind would endorse something so polarizing. Right. But um, that, that, that so, people don't see that because they did Kaepernick, and that's what's the di- what's the difference? There's right. one more step <laughs> from Kaepernick think, to most right? half of those people. <laughs> but right. Nike, so yeah, Nike ended up suing them, and I'm not sure what happened. I know they probably got a cease and desist, but I think the sneakers still made it out. So if you if you ended up actually buying a pair of those, they're going to be worth a ton. Oh now. yeah. They how could it. you? Uh, do you know how much they cost? Like if you 
there was only 666. So I think they were listed at like a th- at least a thousand retail. And so sneakers that are listed at a thousand retail are going to resell for five, 10 X of that, especially wow. with how limited they are and yeah. with how like pivotal that whole news situation was. So none of them are probably going to ever get worn much. They better not. No. <laughs> Maybe I mean, in a couple like music videos piece. here or there or something, you know, like something. It's like an NFT special. in a sense, isn't it? I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, it's the exact same thing. Yeah. Like it's, it, you buy it to, if you're dumb, if you wear it, because it's going to lose its value. I mean, it'll still right. maintain some value and I'm not going to, no, you're not dumb, but you're basically prioritizing wearing a pair of sneakers over probably making 10 times your money on those shoes, which, it's, yeah. I, I can see, so that's what I don't understand. It it seems dumb to me, people being outraged because that was specifically the point. Like, I get, the, I, I understand, like, Lil Nas X, I mean, uh, old uh, the uh, mm-hmm. Take Me Down the Old Town Road or whatever, that song, it, that's a kid kid song in a sense. Like, lots of kids like him. And, and conservatives. And, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and, conservatives so, and, and so then as soon as you go after the one thing that they're like, yeah, that's the bad guy. <laughs> as soon as you elevate that bad guy and then you twerk in front of Satan or whatever, and kids might say, I could, that is the point of it, to try to push all those boundaries, right? That if you really wanted to fight Satan or fight the evil or whatever you thought, you would just never mention it. The yeah. only because otherwise that's the dissolve, only reason because yeah. I I mean I didn't I don't even, I haven't even heard the song but I can't imagine it being the greatest song in the history of the world where I'm like oh my god I gotta have it you know it's not that's the song is not it's, so they did everything else because maybe you know the music can't stand on its own and and it may, maybe he had a message and he wants to that's fine an artist can do whatever he wants to do I'm 100 support that and yeah. so can I and that's why I just think it just it always seems really silly for Christians to get so up. Uh, like hell bent, you know, if you will. To, <laughs> Plenty of like, Yeah, because like what all that you're doing is helping him. Yeah. That's it. You're helping it's, spread the message, helping yeah. him getting the song listened to. It's like the Me- Trump it's I mean it's the Trump cookbook of publicity really. You say something yep. extreme, you double down on it, and then you watch the people promote for you. I mean, if you can right. withstand the fodder. But uh you know he even said Lil Nas X even said like dude Old Town Road isn't inherently a kid song it's about drinking lean and right. you know adultery and all that kind of stuff and he mentioned that on twitter because people had the same reaction in terms of like because kids do like the song the the, yeah, yeah. the melody is is really catchy i mean it's a freaking catchy song um and he basically points to the double standard like dude y'all were fine with old town road but you're not fine with me right. basically you know in a different way being being uh it's not controversial. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting discussion and that's, I purposely didn't post anything about it because I knew everybody started sending me those because yeah. they did the, the, the same brand did the like Jesus water shoes a year ago that did the same thing where they had like holy water in the bubble. Mischief did. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and I purposely didn't comment on it cause I knew they wanted people to basically market for them. And I didn't comment until I, I just couldn't take any more people blaming Nike for something they had no control over. Right. Yeah. I think, so. I think the big difference with Old Town Road, though, is Kids Bop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. Kids Bop played that. They did that song. And now our kids listen to the Kids Bop version a million times. Yeah. So I, I wonder if there'll be a, a whatever. <laughs> this not. Way. I doubt it. <laughs> a Satan Kids Bop song. Sweet mercy. 
So well, since I was going to ask, so since the last time we saw you, so you had just, I mean, first time you were on BC, it wasn't that long after you had started Preachers and Sneakers. Yeah. Uh, what's it been like? What's it been uh, probably a year or so since it's we had you on list? Two years. So what's, I mean, has it been uh, less anger towards you, more support? What, what's been going on there? The, uh, whenever you and I, or whenever we all talked, that was kind of at the height of when things were, I was getting like 20,000 new followers a day and hundreds of hate messages and plenty of love messages. I mean, people were excited about it or excitable about it. Um, and I didn't really, I was just some dude that was having a viral moment and was riding the wave as, as much as I could. Cause it was just out of control and I didn't completely know what, what was going to come of it. Um, two years later, now I'm like, I've been doing this for a while. Yeah. And, uh, especially like the past year or so I've been writing a book about it. And so like, this is all I've thought about and all I've really worked on really, uh, in, at least 18 months or so. Well, when you say what, what this is, what, how do you define what it is that you do now that it's had time to evolve and you, you've had time to situate in it? I mean, it's still, I, I guess I call it a network of social media accounts and a podcast that basically raise questions and discussion about the church's relationship to celebrities, wealth, image, self-help, all the extra crap that we care about that doesn't point to the God we say we believe. Um, and at, when we talked initially, I did not have that. Like I, that developed organically and people bring up all the time, like, let's not pretend this is about anything other than you just shaming pastors. Like, dude, like think about it for a second. Right. Uh, at the beginning I was just making jokes because it seemed ridiculous. Like dudes mm -hmm. wearing $1,500, $2,000 pair of shoes or a jacket or a belt or whatever. But now having, you know, talked to all sorts of people and interacted with all kinds of pastors and musicians and everything. It's, it, I see the, the worthiness of it and it's not from my own efforts. I've just kind of been a part of it, but people have been, have been caring about this kind of stuff for a long time. And for whatever reason, I was able to maybe point to it in a different way that allowed it to be a little more tangible completely. And so, yeah. And so I, I've just tried to make uh, the best of that opportunity as possible and not make it, about me or about building my own brand or making me look awesome or anything. It's really been trying to be like, Hey guys, it really feels like there's a, a lot here and clearly everybody gets pissed or not everybody, but a lot of people get pissed about this topic, either at me or at these pastors. So it's worth thinking about and talking about and not being so black and white to say like, this is always wrong. How could you ever do this? Or also like, this is completely fine you know, leave these dudes alone. They work for their money, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Well, you really, you know, were able to find this conduit, a lightning flash of just a really distilled version of what the hypocrisy or celebrity worship, one of the most bizarre outcomes of it that's just happened to be catchy enough to get everybody's attention yeah. and focus it. And it's wise to let that evolve into a deeper thing instead of just being about sneakers. It's obviously about so much more than that. Um, and so you really figure out a brilliant way to to highlight it, a good entry point for it. The um, it's always been a big issue to us. It, it Maybe one of our central issues is just celebrity worship itself. Yeah. Uh, well, I just like you're using. That, I was gonna say, sorry, Matt, but just that word you use, shame, is just I can't that. So that is what shame is now. 
right. you literally show a picture and it say exactly the truth. <laughs> people, people, people question my salvation from just doing that. Like, how could I ever post a picture with a price tag? And sure, it's got some, it's got some like leading elements to it, but also just objectively, if that is shaming somebody or right. if that is fundamentally eroding Christianity, we've got a really weak yeah. ass faith. And, and, and especially in and every other line of celebrity, they want you to know what they're wearing. Like that that's right. been the that's been the one of the biggest co- topics of conversation forever on these like at the Emmys or the Grammys, whatever, you know, what are you wearing tonight? You know, what do you you know, you know, the, oh look at those shoes, look at that watch, it's all, all this stuff. And then when you show that, people I I wonder too, did they I I I don't remember if we asked you this or not, but do people think you're lying? Like cuz a lot of people don't know about the shoe game, right? Like they they don't really know the prices and how quickly quickly they sell out or what happens. Mm-hmm. They, they think oh, he must be lying. That shoe or you know, they try to figure some way to make you discredit what you're doing, right? Yeah, some people I've had plenty of people accuse me of going to look for the highest possible price and only posting that when in fact, like if it's on sale, you'll see certain sorry, these freaking dudes are mowing. That's okay right now um i have pictures that i've posted where it's got a piece on sale like it's not it it is of no benefit to me to go manufacture any of this stuff right like there's so much content that is in reality that it it would be a waste of time for me to even make any of this stuff up slash like that's not the person i am and it's a you know it would be exhausting to do that and it'd be bad for business right you you would look you would look foolish people go oh no then i would really look like a troll and like i've got no interest in that right all right, if you haven't heard yet, the Devil Wears Prada is putting out Z2, uh, the follow-up to the 2010, uh, up to their 2010 Zombies EP, the Zombie EP. It comes out on May 21st, and you're listening to Termination right now. The first single, of, it's the very first single from their EP. The band has merch uh, bundles and tons of vinyl variants up now, both on their store as well as the Solid State merch store. The vinyl comes with extended an extended booklet, and each color variant is limited to 500 units, so you better get yours quick. If you love the first Zombie EP, you're definitely going to love this. Go to, uh, You can go pre-save the EP now and follow the band on Spotify if you haven't already. So, Z2 comes out May 21st.
The celebrity pastor, I mean, we've had some falls of celebrity pastors since in the last two years, you know, probably yeah. people that you've focused on mm-hmm. um, that have probably, I don't know, I mean, it's gone down, I guess, or been, I don't know what they say now. This is it getting canceled or just having a I mean, disgraced to, is what disgraced, the, the, yeah, because uh, pastors have been falling out for use. the whole time we've been doing this podcast, but it's not exactly cancellation, I don't guess, but right. But I, uh, for, so for when, for about the first year, I still, year, first year and a half, I felt really conflicted about what I did because I did get people that were genuinely like concerned that I was being divisive or that I was being, uh, mean spirited or gossiping or whatever. But when that stuff started really happening, specifically the past two with, with Carl and, and, uh, Ravi Zacharias, I was, I was like, you know what? Even if you think I'm divisive, these dudes are building massive platforms and decade-long ministries and completely eroding them right. by being right. like sleeping around for years and years and years. And you're pissed at me, bro. Like if you're pissed at me and you're not pissed at the state or the system of church that we do now that can create these larger-than-life celebrities that basically have zero people around them that can accurate like accurate accurately speak to their flaws uh and then erode it completely dude what everybody's priorities are jacked up if you're pissed only at me and not pissed that there's a system out there that can create these guys and girls that are larger in life and then basically shit on the name of jesus by being flawed people like it's just we expect something different to happen when we build these guys and girls up and it keeps proving itself uh they it is what like it is what we thought it was going to be right i know uh, carl lentz had you had him and he's super flashy like that but did ravi have a sneaker game no (laughs) no not really but that i that in the same vein though he was a, a christian celebrity yeah yeah and yes I recognize the irony, even of like all us three talking that we all have platforms. We all have people that follow us for one thing or the other. Uh, I at least want to be the type of person that fights against that and says like, dude, I'm an idiot. Like I, I am nothing to be worshiped and I never claim to be better than anyone at anything. Um, but like, this is an indictment on people that follow these guys and girls too. Like I'm, I'm guilty of it too. Basically saying, even even if not vocally in deep down you make certain people your idols or you make certain people to be uh infallible and then when they do inevitably end up being normal people yeah that's detrimental to your faith like if you have a faith in some dude that's just a preacher or a pastor or whatever he's going to disappoint you and i just want people to start thinking yeah. about who they idolize and who they prop up because it's detrimental to all of us. I think one of the things you reveal is, and this is what I think, especially within probably evangelicalism, maybe the most within the world, but maybe Christianity in general, I'm even thinking with like Catholicism as well. I think a lot of people that attend church, a lot of Christians think the it's all attacks from the outside. And so defend, defend, defend. They never, it's so hard for them to see the inside that there's some, some sickness there, some things that are wrong or off. Like, it it like even with Ravi Zacharias, somebody should have said, "Hey, how many you, you you're gonna you know you you need to own a, a, massa- a you know a massage salon or, or at least like, like what's the deal with yeah that? like it hey we you, you know like no one was questioning him and like to just put that's what I love and and even when you started this 
that it's just so simple. Like your message was just so clear. It doesn't even say much. It yeah. just shows somebody wearing shoes and then how much those shoes cost. Uh-huh. And in any other uh, group, uh, organization, business, or whatever, it wouldn't have meant anything. If it was a CEO of a company wearing, you would, you know what I mean? Like you, it would, it would mean nothing. But the fact that it does stir so much, it does show something. Like just talking about like little Nas, it stirs something in you, and so you have to immediately they they want to fight, defend, and that's the one of the big things I've been learning more and more. When when you do reveal truth, it shows weakness, and you feel weakness in your own faith, your own thoughts, your own you know foundation you're standing on, and so they I think that's why people run to defend so much, or yeah, you know, which is also bizarre because pastors always talk about being exhausted and tell your pastor you love them, and I. But I feel like this your your side alone shows how much people will defend and take care of their pastor. Like yeah. it's like all the it just pastor, sucks right? that I'm the punching bag for right. all. Of it. Yes, it does. <laughs> it does for sure. And, and uh, what the other good part about it though is like I you don't see and I maybe maybe I'm wrong about this, but uh, you don't really seem to come from the deconstruction world. Like you you know you said you were doing security at your church. Like you feel it seems like you're a pretty solid Christian that. Uh, believes in God and maybe even pretty traditional Christians. Is that true? Like, I mean, are you in a, any kind of, you're not from the deconstruction world, like re- reconstructing your faith at all, are you? I, I definitely wouldn't title myself that, but I do have, especially in the past, like two to three years, I've had very strong questions about uh, most things about my faith. <laughs> and I, I haven't, I haven't given up on it or anything. Right. I like, I want to believe in a God that's okay with us asking hard questions and even having doubts. Uh, I don't want to believe in a God that's like, Hey dude, you got to take it all or leave it. Yeah. Um, not to say like I pick and choose what I want about my faith, but I'm just saying like probably that I struggle with plenty of things that people that are deconstructing struggle with. And, uh, I have a, an amazing wife and a community here that has been able and go to counseling and all that that has been able to help me work through that stuff. But yeah, like I've never been hurt by the church and I'm not, I don't have any kind of vendetta to uh, uproot anything, but I do want people to at least be real. Like that's what, right. That's what I, I just want people to be real. And like, if, if you do have a faith to take it seriously, not like some entertainment venue or some social club or anything. It's just like, that's a waste of time and you can get that better elsewhere. Like don't wrap faith into being anything more than, following and serving a, a God that created the universe. Well, I'm sorry to say that does put you in an at-risk category of deconstruction <laughs> and being labeled as such. I'm not so, scared. I'm not scared of that. <laughs> but um, that's, I think that's the that's the thing that the, just the being real, just the authenticity piece, the simplicity of telling the truth and seeing what happens. There is like a, there is a mischievous spirit to that, but I don't think that's negative. It's like a there's a there's something to even being, it like sounds more curious, isn't it? Or isn't partly it more... curious or provoking yeah. that is just good and necessary because there's so many people who seek to reinforce any system because it gives them security that we all tend to overdo that security and certainty piece. So it is part mm. of the immune system of the body, of the human body, the body of Christ, the, body, the world. Um, the government, uh, whatever. There's an immune system to it that is supposed to react when things get start to get weird. That's we're, you know we're supposed to do that. It's a positive impulse that you probably had when you were a little kid, yeah. most likely. Yeah, I uh, especially with the 
the Trump stuff, whether you're former against him, the whole how passionate people in Christian circles or church circles specifically became about that and how they basically aligned him to being God's chosen. That forced me to really be like, what do forced I actually you. believe? Because yeah. I, uh, you know, you, I grew up in, in Louisiana. I have basically been a Christian my whole life. I have two great parents, was homeschooled for a portion of it. So like, I, I've never not known this stuff, I'd say for the most, for the majority of my life. And so it has caused me to be like, wait a second, I'm seeing this one thing from this guy that is clearly has zero fruits of the spirit if to get churchy yet all of the people that have basically taught me about this or have influenced my not I'm not talking about my parents, but all the people kind of in my small town and even growing up in like Southern Baptist circles have essentially uh, endorsed him as the guy that this is who the Christians vote for. That made me just step back and be like, wait a second. Like what am I the crazy one here for not being like, this doesn't align with what I think I know about Christianity. And so that, that catalyzed a lot of that for me for the past couple of years. And, um, I think it's been healthy to, to, uh, try to define why I believe what I believe, because it it's good to be able to defend that and not be like, you know what, this is just, I'm just hoping for the best and choosing this way because that's what my parents did, you know? Yeah. Since, since the site blew up, has it been, uh, pastor's been like more aware that, that somebody's might be watching. Oh, yeah. like, and not just you. I mean, I think everybody now, everybody's like, oh, that's really funny. What is my pastor wearing? You know what I mean? Like, I think as if you're harder not, to find? You're, if you're not, you're completely out of touch. Right. Like it, it, everyone knows, at least in, in, if you're a pastor, you definitely know that I exist. And if you, <laughs> if you put on something that says Gucci or Givenchy or, uh, off white or whatever, you're probably going to end up on my account. And, uh, but I, you know, in a positive note, I have had pastors tell me that the account has helped them audit what they wear on stage and the message that it, that it conveys. Like it, yeah. it may not be an accurate message for their intentions or anything, but there is wisdom in at least considering what you put on when you're talking about Jesus uh, and asking for donations. Like there's just basic objective wisdom to say, Hey, maybe I don't wear something that's worth 5,000 bucks when I'm asking for, you know, a special assessment from the congregation, you know? Right. Right. Especially if it's poor people in your congregation, but there's two ways to look at even that, what you said there is on one hand, now that your account's out there, the pastor's got to be more careful so they don't get in trouble or whatever. And they can be more cynical there. Like, yeah, you don't want to be controlled by social media or yeah. The yeah, you don't want to be controlled by like the fear of man for sure. So they'll hide their sneakers and they won't put them out and they'll be more hidden. So some of them will do that and some of them will go, Well, you know what? I never thought about that. It is kind of hypocritical. I've been doing this. Let me just look at this differently. That's another outcome that might cause a good hearted pastor to make changes in his own view of things, which is a quite positive outcome if possible. Because the more I think about it and get experience. I really have a lot more empathy for the public figures. I'm I'm talking about Ravi included. Uh-huh. Good because, Lord. Yeah, empathy. That's right. Because they get right. idolized <laughs> in that way, and I think it destroys them. Like, it happened to them also. Because mm-hmm. from what I've seen in music and podcasting and everything else, you know, it's a – there's a certain amount of force and power and – 
worship that anybody can handle before they buy into it, and then they yeah. are often destroyed. And and yeah. it, so therefore, it is the idolizers and the demand side of it that really can cause the destruction to people that were well intentioned, you know, all the way around. And then yeah. at some point, you can say, "Oh, this guy's far gone. He's an asshole. He's a he's a faker. He's a whatever." But I mean, I don't know that they always were that. And I think it's you know both. So I would when say you, most weren't. Yeah, most weren't. I really, yeah, of course not. I mean, eventually, at one point, they were just some nice little kid that was trying to with probably have a humble congregation them. or yeah, like right. felt a call to start a church or anything. Yeah, it's it's like a kind of a frog in the boiling water type thing where it's mm-hmm. you don't. There's no one event that makes it maybe unhealthy or makes it to where it's more about the guy than it is about God. Um, and you're right, it is on a. a us for demanding that kind of thing. I mean, the state of modern church reflects what people are demanding. Like we wouldn't have right. uh, all these self-help motivational speaker type pastors if there weren't people out there that said, hey, you know, I really like it when you fire me up for to go get that new promotion or whatever. Like yeah. they, they're, they're just adapting to what the consumer wants. Yeah, and they they've lost consumer. sight and they've lost tether to to reality in a lot of ways, and you got to oh yeah bad because it served up that. to them. Like it, yeah. th- I doubt any of them started asking for those kind of things. But once you probably, I'm assuming, once you start experiencing a few green rooms and experiencing a few drivers and luxury yep. hotels and getting paid ten grand to come speak, you want to keep doing that. I mean, I would want to keep doing that. I think just like on a basic level, if somebody said. Hey, we're gonna pay you twenty grand to come speak, and we're gonna give you a free pair of shoes and put you up at the Ritz. How does that sound? I would be like, yeah. well, uh, I can get somebody else to preach for my local church this Sunday, and I'll come do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're you're exactly right about. It. I mean, it seems sounds very biblical to me. It's this people want a king. This is the same as David, you know, or Saul, and then David. Uh, that the people, God was like, hey, no, I'm your king. No, uh, we want to be like everybody else. We want that king, and you want your pastor. You're right. Like, I mean, that's. That's one of the reasons we stopped talking about pastors uh, mostly because I felt like we were just picking on people that were that got the brunt of it as opposed to a part of it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And 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 I, that, but still, once again, that's why I like your site because it just shows something there that's about the culture. It's not really the person. I don't even usually know who the pastor is. Often, you know what I mean? Maybe I recognize some of them, but it's not really them. It's that that it. When I look at those shoes. And see, Pat, I think Christianity, not all oh, that person bad. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Not, 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 I'm not thinking that simple. I, I, it just seems bigger than that. And I think you're right. The consumer wants their pastor to look cool, be cool, uh, awesome. Man, what uh, he lit it up. That sermon was fire. You know, yeah. and all, you want to say all that stuff. And that's about you and your heart and that king you want, that leader yeah. you want, as opposed to, because well, if they did come, as Jesus, that doesn't sound as good anymore. I mean, right. it, 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 most pastors these days do not seem to look or reflect Jesus, what he would have looked like preaching the sermon on the mount or something like that. It just doesn't seem that way to me. And that and that says something about us, not just those men or some women on the in the pulpit. Yeah, it also, I mean, it, it makes sense to me because we went through, especially like millennials, went through these decades of, and I guess our parents too, like stuffy, judgy, boring church experiences, like church experiences that said, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't listen to Metallica. You can't, you Mm got to listen to these three bands, that kind of stuff. 
And so it makes sense that we would swing or a lot of people would swing in the other direction to say, hey, let's make this way cooler than it's ever been and attract people Mm -hmm. that maybe would never come. Uh, But in turn, it ends up just staying there and doesn't call anybody to anything, really. It just it gets it's a time to come get motivated to feel good during the music. Like the music is objectively good. Like it's they they have a good formula. The lighting is really good. The production is really good. Um, But if you get deep down to it, it's really like, is this, is this me dying to myself and following a God or is it really me making myself a God and just trying to get through my Mm -hmm. problems? Right. Uh, It ends up being the latter. Well, we got into a real bad spot with these, with the rise of influencers and stuff like that. And there's something about the church that was early and I, I can't still figure out how to say this with the right language yet, but there's something about the church that seeker sensitive, celebrity type mega that whole thing somehow was almost on the early side to what has happened in the wider culture with influencers and Hmm. um and and grifters i'm not trying to call everybody bad it's just that the playbook of how to manipulate a small group of people is easier than the mass group and then it is true that a lot of people they're sitting in a lot of churches are slightly more at least gullible or pre-qualified themselves to be believers i'm that person i'm a believer i tend to get wrapped up in things and believe it all the way um (laughs) pyramid schemes in your day yeah oh i mean i mean i i I may fall into many in the future that are smarter than i will be if i don't keep up but i'm just saying that there's a game of that and once you have these populations isolated and the internet started coming on you can start to really impact people in the ways that you know politicians the oldest school of that Uh but it just seems like that influence game and that celebrity game the pastors started to figure it out but i don't really know if we're talking about the same them when we say pastors so 30 years ago you say they you mean pastors those are first of all they're not the same individuals they're not even the same personality types they're not the same type of christians the people that we have today are people that you know might have loved god or whatever it is but they're much more opportunistic individuals that are successful in the current church economy. And then it goes all the way into grifter land pretty quickly. So it is true that the pastors of old might have been much more high high character individuals. And now we are in those systems then have been infiltrated by the people with the most charisma. that are the best at with a smile that have the best sneakers. They're best at manipulating things and they become prominent pastors and then just figured out how to work the Jesus part in because it's so important. Yeah. But and these I, are people I, that would be great in many industries at many things to do the same exact thing on small populations that they could control. Yeah. And so well, now mean, we have yeah. a lot of, past, but that's what the typical pastors like that, if they're successful, charismatic, so, attractive people that are personable, mm-hmm. that are also probably business and marketing savvy. Like you said earlier, the church economy, it is an economy now. And I, I, I spent the last year looking into this and and writing about it in the book, but it's, it's a pretty good business model now. Like churches, it's very surprising to me that all these churches maintain their 501c3 status because they're operating for-profit entities with multiple profit centers or verticals. Mm -hmm. Like not only are they growing huge congregations that have immense donation revenue, like even in Dallas alone, there's multiple churches that clear over a hundred million dollars in, dollars in donations on the top line each year. Uh, and that's not to include. So like you get to, it's this whole cycle. You get to build a huge congregation. 
you build a bunch of real estate. At the same time, you build your staff that gives you more and more time to yourself. Now you get to write a book. Now you get to write a Bible study. Now you get to go on a speaking tour and you're not involved with pastoring anybody back home, which is what a big part of the role should be, I think. And then sure, you don't take a salary from your church, but you also get to sell every single one of your books to your church, your 30,000 right. members. Uh, and then you also get literal commercial real estate holdings. Like, like right. Todd up in Tulsa just bought a shopping center, an income producing shopping center. And like, sure, it could go to good things. It, it very well could be. But where does it stop? Like where, when are you not a 501c3 and actually a commercial hol- real estate holding firm? What, because you look very similar. What's yeah. really wrong about it that makes me think that some of these people are the, the what Bible describes as the worst people that are in for the worst, you know, eternity is that the... First of all, they're sitting ducks with a 5013C status with these p- believers sitting there. So it's like you can infiltrate that. It's a, it's, in a way, it's a vulnerable population, and you're riding on the back of 2,000 years of tradition right. that's good and right and salvation. Like you, you've kind of came in and plucked out something from there or infiltrated it in a way that seems really horrible. And like you say, well, I built a congregation. I did. The, here's the business model. I did all this stuff. And everybody knows that the biggest myth of it all is like, I built this congregation and got all these people saved, and that's why they're in my congregation. No, you just got them from the other small churches, which now went away. You used fuel, like that was the fuel for you to build your empire, were all these small churches. And you have to have continual churn of people leaving small churches to come to your churches, probably never to return. And you have to have a certain growth rate like a startup, and you're well aware of that. And you know where these people come from. You like to pretend, like, if you count all the people that got saved on Easter, like they were just people from strip clubs that came, wandered in in the morning, you saved them, and that's why you have this giant empire. But they're just the people who you beat their music yeah, down the street yeah. Yeah. that were sincere people. And they got caught up in it all, too. And, never, and it never goes back the way it was. So there's a, you know environmental cost, as it were, of the, the the resources that it takes to build such an empire. And those resources are people. Yeah. And there is, you know, you know there is good things grow. And, you know, there's, I think mega churches are not in and of themselves bad in a lot of instances, like good things do grow. Cancer also grows, you know, like, I think it's right. worth auditing how you're representing the Jesus you're preaching about to the rest of the world by how you operate your church and your verticals and all that kind of stuff. Like you mentioned the music, that's a whole nother vertical itself. Like the CCLI payments that some of these dudes are getting, uh, you know, elevation worship specifically, Stephen Furtick is on, is uh, credited on every song. Like dude is getting paid from his church team. Really? Developing songs. Yeah. I mean, so he gets writer credit. Yeah. On whatever they write, no matter what. I mean, of course. Hey, you I never mean, seen him shred on the guitar? <laughs> no. You ever seen that video? I, mean, I think he is. I think he is a part of the writing right. process in yeah. some way. But also, it just shows like how many verticals you have at your disposal wow. once you get at that level. Yeah, that's a right. Big one. And that's that. all repeatable mailbox income. And right. uh, it's just I want to be the type of person that's like, all right, does God care at all if we're turning His words and His worship and His people into a profit center. Got it. Like I, I've made some money in the past. Like I've sold some hoodies. Like I'm not against making a profit, but I do want to be careful about mixing being a good follower of Jesus and tithing and all that stuff with commerce or like, uh, 
like it's just that's that's the thing that always goes back to the preachers and sneakers thing is like well i'll even say it that i mean i was told so much in my life avoid even the appearance of evil and now you are talking about the appearance of someone <laughs> and you know what i mean like like the, yeah. the, the choices that you make and even what you guys were saying earlier it didn't make me think like uh like you're right like a pastor like when i worked at mars hill and matt volunteered there and we were very involved with Mars Hill. It does almost seem Mark Driscoll probably maybe even I think he probably even realized this. This is how brilliant he is. But the pastor really does become almost not pastor anymore, but product. This this is the He's the brand. Right. Yeah. He is the brand that makes everybody around the world take notice of you. And you I think well, this is me. church. I right. go to Stephen Furtick's church. Exactly. One hundred percent. Um, and so they, they actually become more the product, the brand, and they carry that to the world. And so you go, well, they got to look good. They got to look nice. They got to, you know, I can let this slide. You're right. That maybe he doesn't meet with, you know, people that go to our church anymore. Maybe there are 10 campuses and he, how could he get around, but it's the growth and God's doing something cause it's growing, yeah. but you're right. Like I never understood that. Why are we so sure that because something's growing, it's God, right? You know, like, like you said, cancer. Cancer yeah. grows. That doesn't seem of God or, or good. And you, when you, when it grows that big, you have so much more to risk. Like when you become the brand, even if you don't want to be the brand, if you are now seen as the guy to see or the band to come see in a church in a town, all of that is at risk now. And if you don't right. put the controls in place, kind of like we've seen the past year or so, it can all come crumbling down and the rest of the world can point to it and say, see, this is why I don't, this is why yeah. I don't follow this fake God that you guys talk about. Right. This is why I don't deal with church anymore because it's stuff like this. It's like, dude, we should care about that. Even if it's from afar, like clearly these guys are choosing to be public figures, put some of this stuff out in the public. It, it's hard. I, I, I guess I want to be the type of person that at least says, is it, is anyone else seeing this? Like, is anyone else willing to ask questions about this? Right. I, I I mean, I'm way more evil than you, Ben, but I, I, I was thinking about the other day. I was like, if there was Vegas odds on like Carl Lenz cheating, I would have definitely taken the odds that he was a cheater. I mean, <laughs> just, I mean, I just would, I mean, it, 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 I, on, on these mega pastor people that, you know, that I would go, yeah, there's something probably wrong here. There's something bad here. It's anyway. at least, a, it's at least a recipe that's, it, it is prone to being uh, skewed. Tony, right. you need yeah. to make that that, that would, market website. I know. Then. That would you be just so need to set great. The, if you if you're the odds maker, then yeah. you know you, people go. Oh, he would never. Okay, I'll give you fifty fifty then. <laughs> yeah, I'll take. He would never then. cheat. Yeah. You say I mean, he'd never cheat. I give you fifty fifty then. On this yeah, I just ho I just hope those guys, if they realize they're in that position, they get people around them that are willing to say, "Hey, dude, you're being an idiot. Right? You're risking your marriage. Yeah, and you're a good looking dude. You're a good speaker. People look up to you. You have unlimited influence. Like, please." Don't screw this up. Yeah, but the pastors are the hoes, dude. <laughs> yeah, they might be the ones doing the pursuit. I think the pastors cases, are the hoes. Not, not right, 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 right. I, I, I mean, I thought about this the other day. I was like, how, I mean, the, what do we have to do to change the church admin job? That's like always the one, like the church, how does the church admin always just hit every sexual desire thought <laughs> that you've ever, I mean, it just makes no sense to me. It's always like, well, the church admin, you know, they, they had, had an affair that like, that's usually the smaller level, but anyway, yeah. let me get off this for a second. So one of the things I want to talk to you though, is, or say is, uh, when you first did preacher and sneakers, I just thought the way that you created this was so, it, with, 
with such little words or it was like the best marketing, best message. It wasn't even mm-hmm. marketing. It was just the way you created that message. And now you wrote a book and I was like, with so little, like you, you just got such a massive, you could tell such a big story with just a picture and a price tag in a sense. And then you go, I'm going to write a book. How, I mean, was that like overwhelming? Like how, how did you transfer what you were doing preacher and sneakers into a bunch of words? Yeah. It, uh, it took a lot of work because I'm an idiot and I've never written anything close to half of the size of a book. But I, I realized that there was a lot deeper stuff here. But like the, the amount of passion that people were uh, talking about these celebrity issues, the money issues, that kind of stuff. I realized there was very quickly that there was a lot more here than just just the perceived hypocrisy or the perceived irony in the pastors wearing expensive sneakers. And I didn't I didn't think there was a book here. Like I thought like, all right, it's a funny Instagram account. I had these few articles written about me, got a bunch of followers. That's cool. Um, but once I realized kind of the deeper implications for, especially once, you know, dude started publicly falling and that kind of stuff. Uh, it seemed worth continuing a deeper discussion about it. Like on Instagram, it's impossible to get into any kind of nuance with a quick caption or even the comments. Like it's exhausting, honestly, to try to talk to people about these things in the comments. And so even for just me personally, I felt like it was important to write about it because there's many people on that come through my Instagram that maybe have never considered why this is problematic. Like the guys, the people that defend these guys and girls and worship bands and everything can't fathom why someone in Texas would care about what somebody in Charlotte is doing. Um, And I, like I've never been a writer or an author or anything, but for whatever reason I was in the comments and the captions, people seemed to enjoy my, the way I wrote about some of these things to try to crystallize what the issue was and even diffuse it a little bit and not make it to where it was so into the earth or like into the world. We've got to fix this right now. Um, so I just tried it. Like I, I had talked with the right people that, helped. I mean, I had a lot of help in building the, the outline and, and kind of how I was going to break things down and, and how I was going to talk about things. Um, and so it was a long process, but, uh, I'm rambling a little bit, but to your point is I probably at first only had like 500 to a thousand words worth of stuff to say. Like I'd already said it all. Like I'm not a right. theologian. I'm not studied in this kind of stuff. So it was a, a new muscle to work, to sit down and try to research and write about some of these things every day at the same time i was finishing my mba so i had i signed the deal in february of 20 and i was at the tail end of my mba program and graduated the mba program in may and then turned in the manuscript in june so like it was it was a shit ton of work um and a lot of it is the book is partly it's the story partly it's my views on things it's another part of smarter people's views on the state of the church and things to wrestle with. And then hopefully it's some good questions to help people wrestle with those things that they've probably been thinking and not saying in, you know, whether it be they were scared of being seen as a deconstructionalist or if I don't even, if that's even the word, <laughs> or if they were seen as being a hater or a bigot or any other kind of insult about people that question stuff or that get things wrong. Um, so I tried to do all that. And uh, I also did a little bit of 
kind of self-critique or self, I guess you call it self-critique, basically saying, look, these are the things I know I screwed up doing this. These are the ways I know that I hurt people's feelings or that I pass judgment even implicitly on a situation that I knew nothing about, that kind of stuff. So I gave a little bit to the haters as well in the book and tried to do my best. That's great. I believe that that's, you know, that can be gamed and faked as well as the humility thing. But really over time, you can tell when people have a strategy that you said was like Trump before, like where you double down and, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that, and those over time, you see those people as, you know, they're, they don't ever change their fundamentals. They always change the top. They always change the surface. They always change the package, but they rarely change anything on a deep level or their approach or ever say they're sorry and uh -huh. mean it and things like that or have different views over time. So it can't be true that so many powerful people have been bad that nobody should have any platform ever. And you should right. never communicate with right. more than one person at a time. So that's yeah. obviously crazy. So yes. we're going to have to develop measures for authenticity and get a better education in, in people that don't act like politicians that actually right. show real humility and growth over time and modulate their behaviors and that's not easy to do, but it's always worth doing, you know. And as For soon as sure. people do it, people game it and pretend to do it and all that. But that's the that's the struggle of being a good consumer of things. And it, you you have to consume things. You you can't help it if you're going to get information. You have to get it from somewhere other than your mom and dad. <laughs> so and the teacher down the street, right. you got to consume information, and you got to have leadership, and there's got to be authority, but. Yeah just everything that we can do as the immune system to point out the flaws of it and try to get better and better models. If, if more and more people get trained to spot stuff and ask questions that will hold the public figures more accountable in a way that will benefit them. Yes. That they are the one, because again, I think they're the ones that are harmed by our over uh, consumption, uncritical consumption of things we want to hear. Or irrational standards we put on them. Like Yes. There's, there's plenty of people that have kind of this internal line that they've developed about what a pastor should or shouldn't be or what he should or shouldn't wear or anything. And I think that's worth thinking about, too. It's like, why do I feel like this guy can't go to Disney World once a year with his family? Like, why do I feel weird about that? Everybody's got their own specific line in their head uh, about that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, at least me personally, I'm exhausted with the black and white stuff that politicians specifically uh, deal in, whether it be this is completely wrong or this is completely right. How could yeah. you ever vote for this person? If, you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you cannot ever vote Democrat, that kind of thing. Right. I'm, for one, exhausted with that because, like, dude, it's impossible to live your life that way. If you do, you're an asshole. You're an asshole if you're, like, black and white about every single thing and can't ever empathize with somebody else's situation. Uh, and I just want people to be real about that and i want them to at least be willing to say you know i hadn't th thought about it that way or at least i at least can see how you came to that or i see that your upbringing clearly has shaped your worldview in a different way than my own like i have no business saying your worldview is wrong based on just me meeting you or seeing a tweet from you mm -hmm. that kind of thing i yeah. think too you're selling yourself a little bit short you you know you go i don't know what i'm doing but you are smart like i mean as soon as we interviewed you the first time i was like oh you you see things that other people don't and reveal truth in a way that is so palatable. And so that's what I'm saying. That's why I thought your <laughs> preacher and sneakers is so great because it just 
immediately you get it. It doesn't matter. Uh-huh. I'm, I think an alien from another planet would go, oh, <laughs> yeah, totally. Why is that guy wearing those sneakers? You know, <laughs> or yeah. so, you know, like, I mean, Thank like you. that is just, that is so brilliant to me. And that's Thank what you. I think the, I, that's what I think Christianity needs more. They need, they need more bins. They need more people going, wait, just look, just look at this though. And then, yeah, it, it, you know I, what I mean? I like so. that, that's what I, you're presenting, right? Like you're presenting yeah. that just, it, Hey, just look at this. You don't, you're not telling people you have to believe that, man, they're really wrong for wearing these shoes. That's, you've never said that. You said, right. look, this is what they're wearing. That's all yeah. you ever say, right? Right. It is. And it, you know, I get into it a little bit more in the podcast, and, but that's the thing. I think that's the thing that hurts the most. And I'm sure pastors feel this too. But when people uh, show up maybe with preconceived notions or don't understand what I personally am doing, and they just assign the commenters to who I am. I think that's the part that I like the least about it, just because, you know, I have so many comments on everything I post and people can be super abusive or can be funny or can be insightful, that kind of stuff. But generally people assign the abusive comments to who I am and, and assume that I am agreeing with the commenters and trying to, you know, quote unquote, like we said earlier, shame people. And I'm really not like, I really just want people to be real. And, uh, uh, I'm trying my best to do the same. Yeah. But yeah. I appreciate the compliment. I mean, that, that does mean a lot. And, and that's what I want people to, to hopefully think is that I'm pointing out something that's worth pointing out in a way that maybe they hadn't considered before. Yeah. So real, my, you know, new ways to get real into your head. Um, all at an instant like that is, is great. So congratulations on the book and that people, the publisher and other people notice that. And that you, you know, NBA, Toby says you're smart. I think he means media savvy also. Like, oh, you know, you got <laughs> well, the thing, you just see, NBA you guy. See, you the see the, yeah, you see things really clearly. I mean, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, you, you see the bigger picture, which I think a lot of people don't. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I think that's Within very valuable especially. to somebody. That's valuable to me. Like, I need, I want somebody looking at the bigger picture and say, oh, wait, look at this thing. Let me, let yeah. me turn, let me turn this this way. You've always seen it this way. If I turn it a little to the left, now look at it. And that, right. that, I mean, that, that's not, damn it, that's not evil. Damn it, that's <laughs> not, that's not shaming. That's not bad. I want, I want people to do that in every part of everything. You know what I mean? That, that, and that, that's how you grow. That's how you learn. That's how you educate. That's how you change things for the, for the better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, the blind, the blind just acceptance of this is the way it is. That, that yeah. always leads to people to bad bad down bad roads so yeah so uh, toby does that predict yeah. that he will strike again and find it was it just a random thing that you spotted or do you think you'll spot something else and and do this again is there is there a vision you have of how to do you know this I don't, I don't, a part of it was luck i mean part of it people start instagram accounts all the time about every type of subject matter ever sure. mm-hmm. there was a few things that went in my favor timing Certain eyeballs saw it that were influential, that kind of thing. Um, I I counted a privilege to be involved in kind of this weird, nuanced discussion that also seems very important. I would be honored to be a part of another thing like that. I, I would prefer a different subject, I think. Like, yeah. <laughs> I would love to be in something that's like pure entertainment or comedy or something that everybody can get on board with instead of it being this kind of life or death murder right. discussion every yeah. every week <laughs> um, well but but the thing you spotted okay so everybody's good or feels that they're good at spotting hypocrisy everybody feels, oh i know to admit, i know it. I, I can read people or whatever so maybe it's not that crazy to be able to spot hypocrisy but to identify a unique way of pointing it out 
is a yeah. meta skill that if you possess it, it would be, you know, predicted you'd be able to maybe not lightning in a bottle again, but use that same ability to use a creativity to highlight a negative thing that, well, everybody notices negative things. I'm sure many people have mentioned in passing how much right. that stupid outfit he has cost. I bet everybody said that walking out of church before, but nobody thought of the way to bring the mess, you know, to, to do yeah. that. So I hope, yeah, I hope so, I can the world's find... full of it. So I'm hoping you knock five more of these out of the park, you know, thank you. It. I appreciate it. I, yeah, I would love too. to be, I would love to have a next thing. That's yeah. the, uh, that's the big question mark really is like, what happens after this? Cause but it'll know. be the hot seat again. Is my prediction though. Right. That's, it won't be just uh, some random, a feel good comedy for everybody. Yeah. Have to hit a button. <laughs> that might be, that might be my cross to bear. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. I guess you might be, yeah, you might be on, uh, I mean, the way that you can present that message so uh, succinctly is just amazing. So, I mean, there's going to be people, I mean, you might, that's why I'm, I'm scared. Like some politician is going to go, Hey Ben, let me, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you, well, you did really, team. Yeah. Come on. Uh, how <laughs> yeah. can I convey this message? And you'll know it. That's what I'm saying. Like that, that you'll is know what, it's the dark side though. Like, don't you know that? Like that it's, you could feel that if you go to the dark side, like that, like, you know how to turn oh, yeah. your skill into the dark right. side. You know oh, yeah. how. Yeah. 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 And yeah, you better you not. And if your account gets too big, you might. If you if you get too we'll greedy, see. you might. So you should cross that bridge when I get to yeah. it. I guess. <laughs> you know that's really funny. Did any churches ever reach out to you to, to hey the way you market stuff or do stuff or say did, is anybody or they just stay away from you? Uh, most have stayed away. Stayed away. I have talked with plenty of people in the marketplace and had did a couple kind of consulting meetings with not church related brands just talking about their social strategy and stuff you know maybe that's something that i do in the future i don't know i haven't i haven't been paid anything to do any right. kind of consulting yet but i would be open to it i mean i, I gotta we're having a kid five days before the book comes out and so i gotta oh, wow. pay i gotta pay for these freaking diapers right. yeah. yeah thank you all right so the book uh comes out is it april what just tell us the book and where people can find it preachers and sneakers authenticity in an age of for-profit faith and wannabe celebrities Comes out April 27th this year. You can uh, buy it on all the retailers and everything. They don't want me to promote one retailer over the other. So you can go to preachersandsneakers.com and pre-order it. I would love it if you pre-ordered it. There's, you know, plenty of people don't pre-order things, but it's it's helpful to me to uh, kind of generate buzz around it as we head into release time. So if you're listening and uh, want to read the book, would love it if you pre-ordered. And uh, we're working on some giveaways and some incentives for pre-ordering that kind of thing. And that should be coming out in the next couple of weeks. Awesome. Excellent. Well, enjoyed our time today. Thank you very much. Yeah. All right, guys. Hey, I appreciate y'all's time. Thank you. Good seeing you again. Y'all too. Are we done done? Yep. Yeah. This will yeah, be out next week. We'll send it to you if you'd share yeah, we'll put it. We'll put this on Wednesday. We'd Absolutely. All right. Well, hey, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's fun. Yeah, yeah this is great. What y'all do. Yeah, 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 man. Good. Best of luck. I'm I'm serious. I think you should really parlay this into something. I think you got just a great eye for the way you can, I just think you really do. So uh, keep keep working. It's gonna it's gonna get bigger and bigger. Maybe not with preacher and sneakers even, but some some level something's gonna happen. So. Okay, I appreciate. it. Did they send y'all the book? I didn't. No, get they it didn't. If they did, all right, I'll have them send it to you. Yeah, Sweet. I'd love to see it. Um, and I mean, if you read it, let me know what you think because yeah, I'm honestly do. curious. Like that, there's only a few people have read it, and I have never written a book before, so I appreciate I, I any for sure. Check it out. Was it hard to write or easy to write? Did you get help? Uh, there were. I did. I wrote the whole thing. Uh, there were portions where I was like uh, muscling through it. Like there were, yeah. there was plenty yeah. of stuff. Like once I got all my thoughts out, 
and all the things I believed about things, that that's when the work came where I was like, all right, I got I got 20 more thousand words I got to put in here uh, and not just making it filler. So right. that's where the work was. But I mean, it took me, it took me a few months. It was hard, but uh, I liked doing it. So yeah. Great. Well, hopefully it'll pay off for you. We'll, we'll be in touch. Come back anytime you want to talk about something. It's easy, nice and fun. All right. Thanks, boys. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.